0: This is the Dancepreneuring Studio Podcast, session number 209, being present and honoring your path to creativity. Hello there, and welcome to session number 209 of the Dancepreneuring Studio Podcast. I'm Annette Bone, and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a 20 plus year hiatus. The lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. So one thing in life is certain, and that is life is unpredictable. You don't always know what will happen next. Does that trigger fear? And what is fear to you? Anxiety, the unknown, or can you approach fear in a different way? As an acronym that stands for feeling excited and ready. I definitely appreciate that approach a lot more. I thought about this after my conversation with the insightful Louise Reichlin of Louise Reichlin and Dancers, also known as Los Angeles Choreographers and Dancers. On the topic of the unknown and not being afraid of failure. We had a wonderful conversation about her longevity with her dance company. They celebrate 40 years this year with performances on October 19th and 20th at the Barnstall Gallery Theater, and I'll link those in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 209. We also discussed her paths to purpose, different learning styles, the importance of being present and more. I was so excited to interview her in person. We were in her home in a room that was full of fascinating dance history and making art. I know that you'll be intrigued by her experiences. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation.
0: So if you've listened to my podcast for any amount of time, you know that a lot of the conversations I've had are online because I interview people from all over the world. And it's always exciting, but it's even more exciting when I get to meet them in person and we get to have this interaction in person. And so I'm here with the incredible Louise Reichlin of LA Dance Choreographer. I'm sorry, LA. I'm here with... Cut. I'm here with Louise Reichlin of lachoreographersanddancers.org, and I'll link it in the show notes. And um, she has a – actually, two shows coming up on October 19th and 20th, the Barnstall Art Center, I guess that's what you would call it. Barnstall Gallery. Barnstall Gallery Theater, and I'll also link that in the show notes. But, um, oh my goodness, I'm really excited to talk to her because – of her longevity and her background. And um, her dancers are amazing. They're technically proficient and beautiful to watch. And the more that I'm learning about her and just in the conversation we've had before this, it gets more interesting. And so I'm really excited to dive into this. Louise, how are you today?
1: Doing pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. It's been really exciting because I got to go to the theater that we're going to perform at. And they let me try out some of the things. And they even found a separate screen we could use because we use multiple projections. So it was exciting. You know, we we got an extra little tech rehearsal in there.
0: When I talk about longevity, and um, I'm always impressed, regardless if it's dance or another uh, industry, when people have been in what they're doing for a very long time, what would you say has contributed to the longevity that you've had? in your dance career, in the, the longevity of your company. What would you like to share about that? What, is there, would you say that there is a key to keeping this going? Or I'm curious, because it's pretty remarkable, 40 years, because these two performances coming up, it, it is part of the 40th anniversary celebration. So what would you say about having this longevity in your career and your company?
1: Well, when I started out, I didn't think about what was going to happen in 40 years. When I was a kid, all I knew that was I wanted to dance. That was the easiest way for me to communicate with anybody. And I mean, I think when I was five, I was doing, learning how to do backfalls and, you know, really exotic things like that. But I've always danced. Some of the things that might have contributed to what you've just asked me are, at a certain point, I realized that I could do things by myself and not have to have my best friend with me all the time. In other words, I, that I could be independent in what I was doing, and that's when I think I was in junior high school then, because I I always wanted to dance, and my friends didn't dance. I came from a very very small town in New Jersey, so when I got to actually be with people who wanted to be dancers, it was it was wonderful. But I didn't see them all year round, and then when I got to other places, like when I was in college, I went to Bennington College. I didn't think about What I really wanted to do in even 10 years, let alone 40 years, I just knew I wanted to work with different choreographers. I knew I, I don't think I needed to choreograph so much then. Bennington is very tough that way. And they make you write out all the things that you're going to choreograph about. And I always thought it was really stupid because why would you make up movement if you had to write it all out? It's something different. So I did choreograph, but the first thing I did when I went to New York was work with every choreographer I could, get into Broadway shows, you know, just really use myself as a performer. And when I came out to California, we were in a show with uh, Catherine Hepburn called Coco. And I had never really thought about teaching before, seriously, although I did teach when I was five. We had a cl- yeah it was called the Talent Club and I taught dance but somebody else taught music and somebody else taught singing and I think somebody may have taught writing I can't remember but that was the Talent Club right So when we came out here I took classes at a place where Eugene Loring was and he I started teaching for him It wasn't even called modern it was called freestyle but I I do almost everything but his freestyle was based on ballet but it wasn't like classical modern dance. And it certainly wasn't what contemporary dance is now. So it's very different. And, um, it was fun. And he had a method to teaching. And I had never thought about that before. A method that when you're teaching, everything you teach should lead up to the end product that you want to do your combination that day. So I learned that from him. And then I kind of fell into a job teaching. At USC, which I loved, and it was with their, it was then called drama, not theater department. And I got to choreograph a big musical at the end of the year and an opera. And, um, it was very successful. I never thought that it wouldn't be, but I did work with Gene Loring and he gave me pointers. So I think of him as being one of my mentors. He, you know, he told me how when I'm working with a director, That the actors or the dancers or whoever are coming from somewhere. And then I have them for a while. And then I have to get them ready to go to the next thing. You know, what happens while they're on stage with me? And it's been very helpful. But anyway, in life, in terms of projecting, I didn't have a company. I was kind of waiting. I did a little film. I am in, I am in three unions but then i started choreographing more and eventually i choreographed for other dance faculty i did i did one semester with dance other than that i was always drama or music and uh, it was a really good dance it had been on the back burner for a long time called the tennis dances which turned into my company but i never thought that i would have i never projected having a company it just you know wasn't what i was thinking those were not my objectives I didn't have any objectives. I didn't know what the word objective meant, to tell you the truth. It wasn't until after I had the company that I learned you should do things with objectives and goals, but I had never thought about that before. So I kind of learned about how to do things by having this company. And then um I learned how to fail, and it wasn't so terrible, you know, you just open a different door. If one doesn't work, you find another one. So I I never thought long-term like some people do. You know, it's like they want a specific company or they want to do this or that. My goals were shorter, work with different choreographers, make sure that I could get to do the movement that I love to do. Um, Because I'm a kinesthetic thinker, and it wasn't until years later that I found out that it wasn't so bad that I can't follow directions because creative people apparently aren't good at following directions. Seriously, seriously. Um, So I felt better about that. I think every job I've ever had, I created. In other words, even if I was hired to teach somewhere, I was able to create what I wanted to teach what I wanted to choreograph. Even when it was hired for a very specific show or concert, I got to create my material. So I think that's really important. And when I work with young people, I think that's one of the most important things, that they learn to be creative and um, move on it. That's about enough right now.
0: (laughs) Well, all of that plays into the longevity because you were – focused on what you were doing at the time that you were doing at the time you were doing that. And so giving all of your energy and resources. And so that translated into, okay, what is the next thing I have to do? Like you said, you didn't think that you were going to have a company, but then you figured things out and you create. And I like what you said, I created these things. And then I was thinking about your choreography about about writing it out. So did you take Labonatation then? So what did, so how did you feel about that? I mean, you know, knowing now that you didn't, you know, like, why am I writing these dances? So what was your experience with Laban notation when you took it?
1: Well, at the time, Laban notation was the most important part of Laban. Since then, it's really changed because Laban work is, is quite wonderful. And it's not just about notation. And we have videotape and our phones and we can record stuff. So even at the time, I've rarely used real lava notation. I would, you know, write down like measures, eight counts, you know, left L, R, L for left, right, left, right. So I I didn't really use lava notation. And I thought that to create dances, recreate dances, because I know I was in Brandenburg, uh, I think it at American Dance Festival, and they were writing it down in, in Laban, and I knew I was in that company that was recreating it. But I never liked the. I don't like detail of having to record something manually. I'm a kinesthetic thinker, even when I read. And I was valedictorian in my high school class. But when I read, I do I do this with my finger because it's moving, and to sit there and just try to memorize or think or do without moving isn't what i do well and um i'm just laughing cuz i i used to get in trouble when i was really young like when i was in kindergarten i'd always get pulled out of stuff i used to f- fight with people and uh <laughs> well it's because i was always late to school and i they used to give me a a board where people you know you put color things into it And I used to get there late and I would get one that nothing would fit into it. So I'd be looking at these holes and have these little colored pegs and they wouldn't fit anywhere. Seriously, I just thought of that for the first time in years, but maybe that's why I'm creative because I got stuck having to do something else. And I would get comments like, Louise talks a lot. Well, yeah, I don't write a lot. I talk, I talk or I move. So, but that's not why I've had longevity. And it's not like I don't project ahead for my company, but I think I do live very much, I try to really be present all the time. And I think dance, even when I was super busy, when I was teaching at USC, I would run across or drive across town to my favorite ballet class and do the bar. Only the bar, it's all I had time for, but I could just concentrate and meditate on the present. When my husband died and we did um, a celebration for him, I remember saying then that neither of us ever looked at our back photos or videos unless we had to use them for something. We both very much worked in the present and thought about the next thing we were going to do. And I guess that must be important. Although I guess it's important to really do 10-year plans and 20-year plans, but I never did that.
0: Wow. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm just listening to you and, 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 re, and oh gosh, I'm just, yeah, I'm picturing it right now. So, so how, okay, you being kinesthetic, your dancers, when you choose your, you know, the dancers that you're working with in your company, are they kinesthetic? And if they're not,
1: how do you handle that? That's a really good question because everybody is different in the way they sense an input and then produce. It's actually one of the things when we do staff development and I go to schools, it's one of the things I accentuate, that students do not all learn the same way. Dancers do not all learn the same way. I tend to look at something and I move and I do the big picture, right? And I love dancers who can just do the big picture and immediately get into that movement. But they don't all do it that way. Some of them need to know exactly what is happening as it's happening or they can't remember it. And it drives me a little crazy, but that's how they learn. And so when, and when someone's teaching for me, teaching movement, because right now I am older and I can't do every single movement. I can't do most movements, but when one of my dancers is teaching it, I ask them, or I have to ask them because they forget, not to start by breaking down a movement. They should start by dancing it and doing the movement and having the people do it with them, then they can break it down, but not start by going, you know, one, two, you're turning, you know, that just, they're, they lose the essence of the movement then. And that to me is not what I do. Speaking of
0: essence of movement and storytelling and intention, you know, we talked a little bit about this very briefly before we started recording about what attracted me to the work that you do is that I feel and I see that it comes from a a very purposeful place. It's not just about creating movement. It's not just about creating choreography and now learning about, you know, how can, how really kinesthetic you are. And, and I just so appreciate what you're talking about being in the moment. And, you know, we talk about that a lot in society about being present and, but it's, it is a hard practice. It is a really hard practice, no matter if you're dancing or whatever you're doing. So when you are starting a work, Do you feel like you have, like you said, with your dancers, if they're demonstrating, you want them to start with a big picture and then break it down. So how do you apply that to when you are creating and choreographing your work?
1: Well, I'm going to talk about the last piece. No, not the last piece. The piece before the last piece I did, which was called Invasion. I heard some music. Actually, I heard it as part of a concert on television. It was a concert of Peter Gabriel. And a British group. And it was just incredible. It was outside with thousands of people. And the music was wonderful. And I remembered how much I really loved Peter Gabriel's music when I was younger. And I recorded it, of course. And um, I listened to it a lot. And I had ideas from it. So I went into the studio and I started moving to it. And I had the dancers do the moves I was doing. And I never go in and tell the dancers I don't know what I'm doing. I'll go in like I absolutely know what I'm doing. I say, "Okay, do this move now, turn here, fall to the floor um and but I may not know why and for this particular dance, I knew it was going to be it sounded somehow the music like like it was otherworldly, which is why it's called invasion and it I'm, I love science fiction, so I knew it had to do with. People coming who hadn't been there before. They could have been invaders or not invaders, but they were not from Earth. And I had them flying like for a long time and everybody would fly. And actually, I lost a dancer during that time because she got tired of just flying. All we did was fly for a very long time. Yeah, we, we did that move a lot. And I would give other movement. I'm not a linear person and I do not choreograph usually in a line. So I gave something that I knew would be the end of the dance. It actually did turn out to be at the end of the dance. That's a 10 minute dance, but I didn't know at the time where it was going to be. I just felt I wanted to rhythmically do a specific pattern. And I used, I used a a move I had done earlier in an early piece called, um, Celtic Suite from a Irish piece that has a, a rhythm in it, a run in it, and from a circle, and I gave it, and we tried it to the music that I wanted to use. Oh, and I also very often, I shouldn't say this, but i I edit a lot of found music and create additional music for it. So I was putting different pieces of music together, and we tried it to a specific music. It was almost impossible because the music was so fast. But that's how I wanted it. So we really worked a lot on getting that move that fast. And it turned out to be the end of the dance, which is crazy. And I, I think that for me, creating a dance is like you say, I don't even think of it as being purposeful because I don't know what my purpose is. I think kinesthetically, I dream kinesthetically. I don't as soon as I wake up, but I'm going. Whew, you know i'm just like moving around cuz i i don't really so much dream with a storyline my pieces often have them but it's this, it's the second thing that comes in the first thing is the movement and what it brings out and then what it's signifying and usually it's something that's really important that i that i want to communicate Cause that's how I communicate, but I don't know what it is when I start. I just start moving or I hear music and I start with that music. It may not be the last music that we use for the piece, but music to me really gives me a lot. And I never know how it's going to turn out. Seriously, I don't. Uh, the last dance that we're going to premiere a dance here, an LA premiere. Um, it's called a Jewish child story. And when I think about it, I had written a grant to do a piece called Sweet Dreams many, many years ago, and in it, there's an old woman in it, and she's talking to a child. That's all I remember about it right now, but it has to do with dreams when you're a child, and I was given the opportunity to do this dance. I I wrote a grant for something, and I, I have to look up what it's called. I won a prize for it. but. It was to write, to write, not dance, but to create, to write something that would have to do, um, and I'd been doing something with my religion, Jewish, which I hadn't gone to for many, many years, something that had to do with a word in the Jewish religion. And I thought, I don't use words. What am I going to do? And we had just done a performance I think of the Patchwork Girl of Us, which you're also doing as one of the shows here. We had just taken it on tour to North Carolina. They had presented it at the library downtown uh, at their wonderful Mark Taper Auditorium. And I thought, I should write something about Jewish children's books or something like that. So I did some research and I called the librarian I just worked with there, Mara, and she clued me into some very interesting Jewish authors, and I did some research, and I wrote something that I would like to do based on a specific, possibly a specific author, and I did receive this grant, and when I called up Mara at the library and said, so I just got a grant, I'm going to do a new piece, I'd like to do it there, it has to be done within, we have to show it within six months, and she said, we just had you here we can't have you here for another two years. We just had you a few years before. And I went, "Uh, uh-huh, maybe I won't do a children's piece then. But I had done so much research, I was in my children's mode, you know? And I was thinking about a book when I was a kid that had Katantan in it, who is a a very mischievous figure um, that I hadn't thought about in many, many years. And... This dance started, I didn't have music, but we'd gotten a donation of many, many uh, CDs contributed from the, uh, what do they call it? Not the Grammys. Grammy Museum gives nonprofits donations of CDs. I was supposed to have Latin jazz, but it wasn't all jazz. It was a wonderful piece of music from South America. And I knew that it was the right music for the first section of this dance. I had no idea. What the dance really was, except it was going to have to do with my dreams, the dreams that I had when I was a child, and the music. Th- this music is in Spanish, and I had someone translated who was in my company. Who was I, I? Do speak very pig Spanish, you know? It's not real good Spanish because I was in Guatemala for a while, and it's all about water. And I thought, huh, water. What a necessary item that is for everything. And also the whole immigration focus then. And I knew that my story had to do with my grandparents, who were immigrants, who refused to ever talk about anybody that they had left where they came from, because they didn't exist anymore, because of the Holocaust. So I that all became a part of this dance. But the first part of it is very light, and it's the characters that used to be in my dreams, like Wonder Woman who was created actually the year that I was born, and a ballerina, because I always wanted to dance. It might have had an astronaut in it, because I also wanted to be an astronaut, but that didn't make it. So we went with a ballerina. And it also had biblical characters, because I was getting funding from something that had to do with a religious background. So I thought, well, I did go to Sunday school many years ago, and I I did some research on that. And pulled out some of my favorite characters. So those are the characters that I introduce in the beginning. And the dance has many images. Some have to do actually with going through a desert, trying to get to a border where you could get accepted somewhere. Um, So it's a very timely piece. Someone else who was in that workshop that I was taking was a composer. and. She sent me some of her music, and I used one of her pieces of music for the second section of it. Uh, it was wonderful music. It's in English and Hebrew, and it has to do with uh, leading to the holiday of Hanukkah. And so some of my images in the dance had to do with where the holiday came from, you know, the clearing out of a temple. Um, by a group of kids that were in this particular village. So all those things became part of the dance, um, as well as a wonderful shift to telly Turkish dance that was always done by Jews and gypsies were outcasts, and they always traveled around entertaining and doing dances. And I had a dance from an earlier piece I had done um, that was a shift to telly about a magician. And I thought it belongs in here. But I have narrative rather than just the music that we used for it. And then the second part, and we, we were able to perform it within the six months outside in the festival that I produce in the San Pedro Festival of the Arts, but not the second section. So the second section is a one that I actually have redone a number of times, which is Yellow Star. And I never thought I really got it right. And that's one that someone else, Gary Bates was his name. And Gary was another choreographer. He had a dance company. And he was interested in my work. And he felt I should do a residency where he was teaching at Loyola and work on some different things that he thought I could do better. And he always felt with this particular piece, Yellow Star, which is part of another dance I did. I, I tend to, my husband did too, um It was part of another piece called the email dances, which I did in the about 97, 98, which had to do with the burgeoning of the the internet, which I always was very interested in. But it was from there. And it was a dance that had to do with the Holocaust. It was very experimental. We shot it from overhead. Mike Masucci did it with me. He did the video. Again, I was very fortunate I had a grant from them. He did all the video for me for versions 1, 2, 3, and 4. I had many versions. I had a concert version, a solo version. You know, like in in software, you have different versions. But anyway, um, he encouraged me to do more with it. And this was my chance to do more with it. So I pulled it up and looked at the old footage and did more with it. So that is also part two of this. And um it's the real serious part. It's why we don't take that part to elementary schools. We do the first part. It has wonderful characters in it. Uh, it's about immigration. But the second part about the Holocaust, I think maybe you need to be a little older or maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, you know, a lot of people work with with very young kids having to do with death. And that's important too, because again, it's one of those forbidden things in our society. When I did Tap Dance Widows Club, um, I told my board, I was thinking, I had called up my friend who I saw on Facebook, her husband had died. And her husband was a dancer, as was my husband. And I called her and I said, I'm going to do a tribute to my husband. And I'm thinking of doing a piece that has to do with the fact that I was married to a tap dancer and she was married also to a dancer. And she said, Katie, and Katie was married to Fayard Nicholas, was living with her. who, And her husband had died recently. Could she be in it too? And that's for that particular dance, Tap Dance Widows Club, which is not this one, but it's one that turned out to be a 50-minute film and live piece. Um, that's how that one started. Which I I was just telling you before. We sat in this room and with a high aid camera we talked about it. And I made a very rough script of some things I knew we wanted to be in it, and we just talked about what had happened in our marriages, in our life. How did you start dancing? Oh, and I didn't know till we were actually doing it that one of the people in it had been married to the husband of the other person. I mean These ladies, they were both married to four guys. No, they were married to one guy or two guys, but the guys had been married to four women, right? Four women, each of them. Now, my husband was only married to me and one other (laughs) woman. Not at the the same time, but isn't that funny? And it's it's in the piece. It's like, what? You were married to her husband? I I had no idea. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Yes, because dancers, I guess they marry dancers. I don't know. Isn't that amazing? Out of the four people that those husbands had been married to, two of them were sitting with me at the time we were doing this project. Anyway, we're not doing that dance now. We're doing that dance in May somewhere, but we're not doing it now. So um, this dance, the dances we're doing now are the tennis dances, which I did in 79, oldest piece I have, which we do little parts of but we almost never do the 30 minute piece. We did it last in 2015 when we were doing our 35th anniversary and probably not for many years before then. We'd put it out of town, but here in LA we do not. And the other one is the Jewish Child story. And the other one is the patchwork girl of us. <laughs> well, you know, you
0: were, you mentioned about, you know, I said about your work being purposeful and, Although you might not have it all figured out in the beginning, like you said, you you wake up and it's the movement, like you said, being kinesthetic, but that there's still purpose in that. And the way you get to the purpose, that, that doesn't really matter. But the fact that it is still purposeful work, but it's just the way you get there is not necessarily – conventional it's not um it's your way of processing your ideas and your artistic expression and to me that is purposeful because you're honoring what the gift that and and the innate expression that you have to get to that purpose because all of that i mean all that con- just everything that you talked about that is full of purpose everything you know that is extremely intentional but the way you got there may not have been you know planned or, you know, preconceived, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and I, I find that very, very fascinating. And, and then like, um, as your work has developed, and like you're saying, taking pieces here and there and adapting to the appropriate audience and venue. Is there something that you haven't explored that explored yet that you would like to that's been in your head or been on or well, not on paper, because you're kinesthetic. So you're thinking in your mind, and you're maybe verbalizing it somewhere or, or, you know, thinking in, in pictures somewhere else. Is there something that you haven't, that you have an idea for or that you would like to explore more that you just haven't yet? That maybe whether it's timing or just whatever?
1: Hmm. <laughs> I think, as I go through life, at a certain point, I go, I really have to do a new dance. And whatever I'm exploring at the time goes into that dance. I usually do not project ahead that I want to do a dance about something. I know that sounds strange, but it's like whatever I'm doing at the moment seems to become part of it. It, the movement becomes part of it. It's like for Invasion, I heard that music and I saw the concert. And I remembered much earlier movement that I have used in my classes and given. Sometimes I'm, I was commissioned to do, uh, for, uh, for Pasadena Pops once. I was commissioned to do, uh, an evening of American music. So one of those pieces was Rodeo, which had, which is about horses and cowboys and pioneers, but I never thought about doing a dance about that, but a lot of the movement that I've been working on got into it. That's what I mean by I often don't plan, like you say, is there something I want to do that I haven't done yet? When I'm watching television or listening to music, there's certain things I like to move to. One is I love a lot of hip hop stuff. You know, if I was like, 14, I'd probably be a hip hop choreographer because I've always done stuff on the floor and really weird kind of jerky combinations of stuff. So I like, I like that, but I like a lot of things. I have a lot of different styles in my background. I have a lot of different, because I work with actors so much, I do depend on my dancers to not just be technicians. They do have to be really trained, but often they have specific characters they do. When we used to get a lot of reviews here, I used to look at the reviews and go, aha, that's what that dance was about. Look at that. They saw this or they saw that, Um, that I never put into it, which I do find interesting. That somehow what I produce gives other people ideas about all kinds of things which is why dance is so wonderful to me. It's not a literal thing. It's a whole different medium. It comes from a very primal source, but it also, there's so many areas, um, beside it being so primal and basic, it also has these religious backgrounds, and it has social backgrounds and emotional backgrounds. And that's, I think, why it's so filled for me with different things. So, yeah, I don't, no, I'm not thinking about the next dance in that way. I'm just thinking, you know, it's really time for me. I've got to start a dance. I have not done a new dance since a Jewish child story, which has never even had its L.A. premiere, and it's been several years now. But it's time for a new piece. I don't know what it is yet. We'll just let that ring. (laughs) I don't know no, 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 what is it is. is. Yeah. We've been having, we, we've been getting phone calls all day. Do, should we look at it? What do you think? Or should we? Uh, well, they'll leave, an they'll leave a message. Yeah. They'll leave. A, well, sometimes though, I don't get my messages like for two days. Oh. What, what phone service do you use? I just have my cell phone. Oh, see. Well, I have a landline. All my stuff, though, everything is ATT, right? I get my messages on my landline sometimes the following week. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I forget my passwords, so I can't, I can't go look it up on the internet. I used to be able to look and see. And actually, I can go to my television set, and I'm pointing over here because that's where my television set is. I can go there and find out who has called recently and look at the numbers. If I happen to be watching television, it will tell me all my televisions. And it's not a smart TV. It's an old TV that fit in the fireplace that's in the room we're in. And, and we used to use it when I choreographed because people can see themselves, you know, when they're learning stuff, big screen. But um, no, I do not have anything that I feel I need to do. I mean, I, I need to do another dance, but I don't know what it is yet.
0: That's still exciting to me, though. I mean, just not
1: knowing it then like what you're saying about being in the moment, what's
0: going on in this moment and what am I going to create? Well, I don't know but I'm going to create something. Yeah. I'm going to do something. Yeah. Just being, cause that you're an artist and you create, Oh my gosh. I, you know, I have to say, I just, I, you know, once I walked into this room, I, I felt something immediately and, and knowing like what's transpired in this very place that I'm sitting at is like being such a dance geek and dance nerd. I'm just so beside myself and, you know, sitting next to Louise and, and, you know, looking at her and us having this conversation and hearing her processes and, um, it's so fascinating to me which is why I, i'm you know i'm loving these in person interviews so much so I want to ask you, okay, well, first of all, uh, when she premiered her uh, one of her works in 1979 at one of my favorite venues, we talked about this a little bit, Ford Theater, and then I also found out that we both have come, she got her MFA at UC Irvine, where I got my bachelor's, and so we talked a little bit about that, but Louise, I want to find out how you feel about dance, now that I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it, too, is Dance in the college setting. Is there anything you want to say about that in terms of do you think it's necessary to be to get your degree in dance in the commercial world as opposed to the concert world? You know, people have different opinions about that. In your long career and your experience in and out of that, what would you say? And you having, you know, you've gone, you have your MFA. So, what would you say about a college degree in the dance
1: profession? Well, they tell me that it helps uh, when you're trying to get a job. Because everybody today is supposed to have an MFA or a terminal degree. And dance, it's an MFA. But if, you know, if you were doing more, more in the area of research or writing, it might be an, an MA or a PhD. For me, I never used it. When I was at college, I was very isolated. It was Bennington College in Vermont. And all I did when I was there was dance and wait on tables, because all the dancers had their jobs, and we, we all waited on tables, and they closed the college down for 10 weeks in the winter, because it's so cold there, and I always got outside jobs, which for me were wonderful. I I did my first concert, professional concert in New York when I was a freshman, during non-resident term, at the 92nd Street Y, And um, but I was working at the time in an advertising agency that today I would love, but then it was like, I had to wear stockings, you know, we wore stockings then, and get dressed up and heels. And it was really scary. But again, I'd love it today. But at that point, I was very young. And uh, my second year, I worked at New York Hospital, and I did a lot of dance also. See, I'm talking about not being in the college, but the non-resident terms. And the third year, we had a dance tour, which was wonderful. And the fourth year, I worked at Harvard as a research assistant in psychology, which was my minor. But the college work itself was really great. I enjoyed the dance classes there. And I met people that I then danced with afterward, which I think is one of the most important things. You're meeting people that you will work with, whether they hire you or they are auditioning for things with you. I worked at American Dance Festival, and I I was in things there. I had my work done in one when I was just graduated from college. And yet when I went to New York, I got into a company. I didn't get a job in one audition, but then I did in another audition. And it's because they had seen me perform while I was at college. And my first union job, which was AGMA, Helen Tamiris, which was a very early modern dance artist who did both theater and concert, she came to look at the company I was working with in New York, which was a repertory company. And I did was doing a part in it that had been Doris Humphreys. It was a character part. And we did work with Charles Weidman then too, all these really early people. And she remembered it. And when she was casting, she was doing Summer Stock that year. And I was going to these auditions for like... Like 13 summer stock companies. They were equity companies, but they were casting. And I, I got all the way to the end and I didn't get any. And then I got a call from her. She was choreographing an opera and she had seen me at those auditions because she was doing some summer stock. She did, she did, um, trying to think of some of the things. Annie, get your gun, maybe? I can't remember, but she did early, early musicals. And she remembered the dance I had. She had seen me rehearsing, and she wanted that movement in her piece. And so she asked me to come over and audition. And her husband, she was no longer with him. That was Danny Nagrin, who was in many Broadway shows and concerts. But she talked to him about me. He had met me in Boston on a non-resident term. I used to take his class. And he came up to me at the end of a class and he said, okay, you've got it. What are you going to do with it? Which, of course, I was so excited about because at Bennington, I always felt I wasn't good enough. But, you know, I I would get validation every once in a while. And he really recommended me to her. And I got hired. And um, that was my first union job. And my second union job was through someone that I met in college who was one of my teachers, Donnie McHale. And he had a stage manager call me for um, a Broadway thing he was doing. And I had to make a choice between going down the next morning and signing a contract with them for this show, or I'd also gotten into my first opera at Lincoln Center. And they were very different. One, I would stay in New York and just do kind of what I'd been doing. Donnie's show was not in New York at the time. It was was going to tour. It was Desert Song um for a producer that had four shows that they were doing. And I decided to go with the the Donnie McHale one. And it, it really then, because I then it was an actor's equity. Oh, and the show closed in two weeks. But it put me on a specific path. And I still went back to New York and did modern dance, but I also started doing Broadway shows. So I have that in my background. And I had to work like a dog to get in those shows because that my working with Michael Bennett who did chorus line and he did, he did Coco. That is not my style of movement, but I worked on it because I really wanted to do it. I think for most people, things that are easy for them, that's great. And I always looked for that in other choreographers, but I, with Broadway shows, they were never that comfortable. I was just right for them for one reason or another, maybe typing, I don't know. Maybe I did do the movement really well, but I, maybe I didn't care about it so much because I have to care about the movement. So when I came out here, there weren't really companies that I cared about. So I, that's why I really started doing my own stuff more. What are we talking about, about right college, now? About oh, about college. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was very sorry. So, pre- so, that. so, so college to me. Co- well, I obviously met a lot of people yes. in college that became very important in my career. But beside that, you know, you can get good dance classes in college and at dance schools. They're, they're both excellent. I have dancers in my company that have undergraduate and graduate degrees from really good dance schools. But I also have some dancers who, um, did competitions and they learned outside of colleges. And those are really good these days. They really teach technique and all kinds of things. The first show that I had to do tap in, which actually was Donnie McHale's show, was like, what, I'm going to wear those heels and I'm going to do tap in that? Because that, I'd never really done it, but I did it. I was hired. I was going to do it, you know? And I'd never worked for eight hours a day just dancing because equity shows, you work many hours. So my, well, my dancers get, I used to rehearse four hours when I first started my company, and that was a little too much for dancers. So now we do three hours, but I'm surprised that anybody can get anything done in a a short time. (laughs) So I think college, if the right teachers are there, are wonderful. If they let you be creative and you want to be creative, when you look at the colleges that are around here, there are some really good colleges, but each has their own emphasis. Some of them, you know that however you go in, you're going to come out that way because they're not going to teach you a new strong technique, but you might be really creative or you might get really interested in political action, social action, because that's what one of them really emphasizes. So I think you need to look really carefully at the things you want to be involved with, not what you want to do in life, but what do you want to be involved with? Do you want to be able to work for other people? Do you want to be able to fit into companies? Do you want to be able to be in shows? Do you want to do film? If you want to do film, maybe you better take those classes with those choreographers in dance studio, professional studios, because everything depends on who you know. Not everything. You have to be good anyway, but you do need to get to know the people because then they feel comfortable with you and will hire you. That's often why you hire people. It's like sometimes I... I don't hire dancers the first time they audition, but the second or third time I've gotten to know them a little bit, and um, it works out. I think dancers, and this is not the college thing, but it's something else. It's I think dancers should never feel that if they've been rejected at an audition, whether it's for a college or for a company or a show, they should never feel that's the ending. It's not a bad thing. It's just so important that it gives them a chance to experience something new when they audition. And it gives the people who are auditioning a chance to see who they are because maybe they're going to be right for something in the future. Maybe that's not f- what they're looking for right now. And that's not so much about colleges, but it's how colleges might fit in.
0: Oh, I just, I'm digesting all of these things in, in these. You know, I'm so I th- just think it's timely everything you talk about, even if we veer away from the original question. I just love that you're so openly sharing. It's so fascinating. Oh, my gosh, I'm still looking around in this room going, "Wow, there's so much
1: history and cool things that have happened in here and just such a rich artistic. My husband used to tap in this room. My husband was Alfred decio. Out here in New York, he was Aldecio. He was a featured uh, Broadway, known more for his singing than his dancing. And when he came out here, um, I was working and teaching. So he just went into the studio and started tapping all day long like he had when he was three years old. Cause he was really tappy. He was a child performer. So he would just tap on this wonderful wooden floor that you can see here. And I would get so upset and I would say, could you please put a tap mat, a piece of masonite there? You have to tap on something or we won't, it'll make splinters. Cause we- I dance in bare feet and most dancers do today, whether they're ballet or jazz or hip hop or contemporary, they like working with socks over bare feet and put you closer to everything. But anyway, That's when you said that, this room, I just saw my husband over there, you know, chewing up the floor and saying, no, no, (laughs) not on this floor. We both have to use this space.
0: I had mentioned before that I could have long, long conversations about this kind of stuff, and you're so fascinating and so generous with um, sharing and so open, and so I really appreciate that. I'm going. I, we need to kind of wrap it up here, but I am going to link the information in the show notes about the show coming up. 40 I mean 40 years, longevity. That says a lot about Louise and her company and the work that she's done. And she she keeps saying to me, "Well, I was lucky. Well, luck, yes, but she works hard." <laughs> She works hard and her dancers work hard. And that's what it's about, you know, the work ethic. I I could go on about work ethic. I have lots of conversations with my artistic friends about that, the people that I surround myself with, and we very much value that and like being around that. But I'm going to end with these three questions that I call the Dance Printer and Quick Step. First one is... What is a dance style that you haven't tried but would like to? Why? In your vast experience, you've probably tried almost everything. But is there something you haven't tried or that you would have
1: tried before that you would have liked to and why? Sometimes, and it's motivated by something I'm choreographing usually, I do like different ethnic styles. And so if I'm doing something where I know we're going to use a flamenco or, you know, a certain kind of thing, I really get into that. I don't usually... Go to someone to learn it. I usually look at films. When I did that, I looked at a lot of wonderful, wonderful films that were flamenco films and, or for tangos. You know, I rather than go take those lessons, I try to absorb it through seeing it and then moving along with it as opposed to someone. That's how I learn something. So could be that, could be maybe different hip hop styles that I like. I don't know. I'm really expressive. Sometimes I just shake my hands a whole lot, right? And that becomes a dance. I, I don't think styles are types so much. I love
0: that. Yeah. You're, you're very open to whatever it is that the work is going to be calling for. So I love that. Who is your favorite dancer or choreographer and why? Right
1: now, silence. <laughs> I tend, I don't go to see dance much. It's easier for me to say, The things I like when I see... I have a couple. Who's the guy that did the thing with the male swans? And uh, the Matthew, yeah. I love Matthew Bourne's stuff. I used to love it more, though. The recent things I've seen of his, not as much. But the things I used to really love about his things were he would pull from street dances, from ballet, from modern, from all different sources. He had a wonderful rhythmic sense. I like things with a really good rhythmic. I learned that from my husband, who was a tap dancer. Yes. But but really good rhythms and very diverse kinds of things. And he also did things about how people felt. And to me, that's really important. And I ask my dancers to do that too. I, I don't respond much to pure technique. And
0: the last question is, what is the dance style that, or or something, now that we're not really dance style specific, although you've mentioned hip hop and stuff, but let's see how he answered this. The dance style that currently describes your day right at this moment and why?
1: I do think of myself as modern, which you're not supposed to use that word anymore. <laughs> now you're supposed to, yeah. Yeah, now you use contemporary. You don't bother with modern. Modern is, as ballet, very typed. It comes out of a certain tradition. And it's really hard for me to make sure I don't use that word I don't, I, but I do try not to use it much because, uh, it's not in style now. I don't know, because there are choreographers that I, whose work I really love. I've done two shows of Jerome Robbins, who I love his work. And I think I love it because it is, I did West Side Story at Lincoln Center when they revived it. And I love the diversity of his movement. And I love it when he does beautiful ballet dances. I just like him as a, you know, I, he's dead now, but I really, like his choreography, so, and I've forgotten what the question is dance style that yeah dance and why. <laughs> no, <laughs> I get pulled off track easily um, that's because I am not linear. You see, yes. I am not linear. You ask me a question, and it goes out into the universe, and then the answers come back from all different sides, and that no really i i you have to really keep me you have to keep me under under <laughs> view or I will not. Go in a straight line. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, I hope can I are we still talking? You're, you're still, oh okay like, well you, like, you know, you still, no you're, you're, so you're it's kind of modern, like modern, mm, modern. <laughs> no no and my actual people that i worked with i did work with jose limon So I'm more a limon person than a Graham person. But in Graham, I did work my way up to be in her demonstration class. But I left there because everybody was very negative at the time. Um, I'm sure they're more positive now, but it was the time when, and I won't name them, but it's her early company was incredibly, she was dramatic. And I, and I worked with Martha. I worked with Martha during her difficult times. And when I went back many years later, she was nicer. You know, she went through a period because her whole, her work is incredible, but it's dramatic, incredible about tension. And I didn't like working with all that tension. So I didn't stay there. I liked Merce Cunningham. I did, I did, was not in Merce Cunningham's company, but I took his company class and I loved his work because it was so pure. And I took his composition class, which I think does, does influence my choreography. The people in it were a friend of mine, Meredith Monk. They were Twyla Tharp. They were people who were very coming from different places, modern places. And his ideas were, you know, you could dance off stage. You didn't have to have lights on you. He used chants a lot. I would come in and I would do, I was working with someone who used a lot of Isadora Duncan movement. I would come in and I would do Isadora Duncan as part of the thing I was showing, but I would have people watch it through Drinking glasses, so they you know they would see it differently. You know, we would, he was so experimental, and I, I really like that. And I don't think people think of me as being experimental, but I'm kind of experimental.
0: Well, our conversation has definitely gone on an experimental journey, and I've so enjoyed it. And I'm really excited to share this, Louise. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing so openly. And I, I feel so blessed that I got to hear you know different scenarios in your life that have happened that have led to again me being in this room i'm I'm seriously just sitting here and all looking around and then you know having her talk to me and you know be so kind and generous thank you louise so much and um, i'm going to link all of the information in the show notes and so excited to promote this is there are there any other last words you'd like to say no okay we're out Thank you so much for joining me on this session. Remember that you are valuable, your dreams are important, and it's never too late to be great.